0: of the hub your fan cast brought to you by tv
1: series hub
2: welcome to Nerds of the hub i am your host kelsey i'm joined by fellow nurk alex hello and our guest patrick gilmore hi uh most of our guests or listeners will know patrick from his voicing of garth from barbie the pearl princess But he's also been in a few other shows you might have heard of, uh, Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe, Primeval, Continuum Fringe, Battlestar, and currently Travelers. (laughs) You have made the rounds. Thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thanks for having me. That's a deep cut. The the Garth on (laughs) Garvey. That's funny. I think that was my only voice work I've ever done. That's not
2: the one people stop you on the street to to say... You know? We love that.
0: <laughs> but I was so excited, and I have two nieces. So when I did that, I, I went to the stores when it came out, and I bought like the, the package that came with the dress and uh, the 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 mermaid legs and everything. And I bought it for my nieces just to to celebrate <laughs> my entrance into the Barbie universe.
1: And uh, Patrick, I will have you know that, whether you believe me or not, I am actually a traveler of sorts. You see, after this interview, I'm going over to my dad's to binge the new season of Travelers. But by the time this interview airs, I will have already seen the season. Which means when people hear this, I will have both seen and not seen the season. So essentially, I'm a metaphysical quantum traveler, and my head just blew up. (laughs) I think my computer did too. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right. Well, so Patrick, we want to start off right away and ask you um, if you can please lie to us uh, and tell us that this season, everything is going to be okay for David, that it's like a romantic comedy and he's going to just, it's going to be a happy season. Just, if you can just lie to us, let us know that
0: that's going to be just fine. <laughs> just sit back. Binge as much as you can, tell all your friends, and everyone's going to be just happy and healthy at the end of it.
2: Perfect. That's, that is what we wanted to know.
1: <laughs> so glad to hear it.
2: <laughs> uh, based on your face alone, right there, I, I do wish that this was a video podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm a terrible liar. My face gives it all away.
2: Oh, we love you, by the way. David is like the nicest guy on TV. Um, it's um, it's heartbreaking though when the nicest guy on TV is heartbroken.
0: <laughs> well, when he's that nice, I mean, even if he gets a hangnail, you feel bad for him. So, uh, <laughs> you, you know, just to make it interesting, you need some 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 uh, some bad things to happen to him. And and as we saw at the end of season two, and you might see in season three, you know, he gets his ass handed to him.
2: So at the end of season two we're assuming that if, if people have, have listened to this, then, then they've seen, at least through season two, David now knows the truth about Marcy. And, you know, of course, is furious. Marcy's a murderer, that sort of thing. I was curious, if you think David is most upset about losing original Marcy, or if David is upset about losing, like, Marcy 2.0, that he sort of fell in love with, like, which one does he really feel like Marcy let's we'll say 3.0, has killed.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, um, I don't know if he understands the, uh, I know that Kat kind of was, was told how the traveler system works and how when you get overwritten, that's killing someone. I don't know if David really understands that. I think that what you saw at the end of season two, his, his reaction to her is more of just a just being lied to. Um, I think it was just the betrayal of, of trust. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's the the Marcy 2.0 that, that that he's that he's most upset with. It gets really muddy though, because Marcy like there's there's original Marcy, and then there's the Marcy you meet in the pilot uh, who has the learning disabilities. And then you have Marcy 2.0. Is there a Marcy (laughs) 3.0? I'm getting so wound up. But so like there's there's original Marcy and then there's Marcy Prime. And Marcy Prime is the one you meet in 21C, I think, is the episode 210. The one that working at the the hospital and then becomes um, the original Marcy who works at the library, who has the learning disability. (laughs)
2: That's it. Well, it is, it's very confusing. So, so you don't think he's like exactly sure what everything is going on. I guess I assumed that they all were sort of on the same page.
0: Yeah. I don't think he realizes that at least in what we saw in, at the end of season two, I don't think he realizes that, uh, original Marcy, the social worker, Marcy is dead. Um, I don't think that that calculates. I, him being upset is just this betrayal. And, uh, And I mean, does he believe it? But when you watch the episode one of season three, that a lot of that gets kind of solved. You'll see.
2: I'm curious.
1: So seems like you actually know and remember specific episodes and what happened in which episode. That's that's pretty impressive.
0: Well, 21C is is a pivotal episode for the David Marcy um, story. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you what any of the other episodes are named, <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that one. That was uh, that was written by Brad Wright, and that was one of my favorites from from the first two seasons because it really kind of shows the relationship before uh, of of how David met Marcy. So, um, yeah, but <laughs> but I'll be challenged to to come up with any more details that specific.
1: Well, it's great that you mentioned Brad Wright because we had wanted to ask you what it was like working with him again after all those years.
0: It's a dream. It's this this man. I, I've told him I'm I'm like he's like Han Solo and I'm Luke Skywalker. That's two you owe me. He uh, he's changed my life twice uh, with Stargate and with uh, with Travelers. So um, we have very similar senses of humor and uh, and we bonded uh, during Stargate. Um, not to the extent that I, I realized because I didn't know that David was written for me. So after Stargate was canceled, we all kind of went our separate ways. And clearly, uh, uh, Brad was, was still, uh, hoping to work with me and I, I would have done anything he'd asked me to. So when this came along and, and it turned out that, uh, he had me in mind. It was it was serendipity. He, he's, he's fantastic. He's, he's a master of, of dialogue. He is, he, he is the true David. <laughs> he, he says that David is him. He just hired a better actor. <laughs> 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 Which I won't take because if you go back and watch some of the old Stargate, he shows up in a couple episodes. I think he played Scotty in their like Star Trek homage. <laughs> Really? I love that. Yeah, it's on YouTube, I'm sure. But he's uh, <laughs> he's not a bad actor. <laughs> but he's an amazing writer.
2: <laughs> I love the way you said that. <laughs> well, that's really cool, because I think I had read that he also sort of wrote the character of Dale, right, as well for you? Um, did he have you in mind for that as well, or is that just...
0: No, um, although I had done a couple Stargate episodes for SG-1 and SGA... I don't think he would have known who I was. Um, Dale Volker was one of five or six scientists that they had written for the pilot of Stargate Universe. And they hired a bunch of diverse actors and they were hoping just to see who kind of which actors worked with who and who they could write to. And uh, they started killing people off. And I just I happened to I was originally slated to die. And they switched up for some reason, and then I, I, I managed to stick around for the entire run of of, of Stargate Universe, so I was <laughs> lucky. But no, he didn't. He didn't know me. It was working with Stargate Universe that he uh, uh, he took note and and uh, wrote me into Travelers.
2: Right. Learned what a great actor you were.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just easy on that. That's it. I just don't cause problems. Uh,
2: well, that's probably uh, you know. At least I think that's probably. Set you apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so we wanted to ask you all right. If, so if you were sent back 200 years, so to the 1800s, you know, if you were one of like a traveler sort of person, um, what would you think would be like most difficult and what would you miss the most?
0: 1800s, huh? Um, i probably miss the cleanliness. Uh, you know, if I could, I would shower three times a day. Uh, not cause I'm super dirty. I just, <laughs> I think I've got some sort of obsessive, my mom even said when I was a little kid, I, I, I would refuse to have dirty hands. I was always washing my hands. Jesus, I should look into that. Actually, that's a telltale sign. <laughs> um, that would be tough. I think just the, the comfort that we have and the cleanliness. Uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm a history buff. So like turn of the century would be would be amazing. I get asked that a lot. Like what time would you like to travel back to? And that's a tough question because it just might, it depends on the day. My answer always changes.
2: Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. I think Alex and I were actually talking about that yesterday and I think shower was his, I said toilets. I've missed toilets the most.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, guys can kind of go anywhere, but, uh, yeah, when I hear about it, or I see all these, you know, like the, the powdered wigs and, and all the outfits that they wear, I always think God, they must stink, <laughs> yeah. and their breath. I can't even imagine.
1: Personally, for my answer, I said refrigerators, oh, but
0: refrigerators. Oh, that's good. But they, you know, they they had ways of refrigerating. It was just you know <laughs> digging a hole in the ground,
2: <laughs> <laughs> making an ice box, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. But then back to cleanliness.
1: So speaking about going back in the past 200 years, X hundred years, I wanted to ask you about your work on sci-fi's web series, Reese, because I had read that you were actually the casting director for that as well as acting in it. And that was a really, really cool series. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's super steampunk. I don't really remember exactly when it takes place, but it's sometime in the pasty area.
0: Well, that's the beauty of steampunk. You know, it's it's timeless. You, it's, it's, um... In fact, when I did Reese, that's when I first learned the term steampunk. I used to call it like, uh, what did I call it, like medieval future. Like I didn't know what the term was. I'm like, you know, and everyone's got clocks on them. Yeah, so I don't know if there was a, a year that that took place or a, a world. I think it was all just very fantasy-based. But uh, I was a casting reader for the shows, uh, you know, Supernatural and Smallville. Uh, I worked for that casting uh, director and That's where I came to know uh, Kalina Kiff, who was one of the creators of of Reese. And so she was a a producer's assistant. She would sit in on a lot of the auditions, and we got to know each other through that. And then one day she just said, I've got this web series that I'm doing. Would would you ever consider casting it? And I'd never cast before. So, yeah, it was a great challenge. I I think being a casting reader, working in casting period, is such a great education for actors. Because you get to see... How people can win or lose a role by just walking in the room. Everything they do right and everything they do wrong. And you, but mostly, I think it's you. You end up becoming comfortable with the audition room, so that when you yourself are auditioning, you're not so intimidated by this couch of of producers staring at their blackberries and you know expecting you to to perform magic. So uh, I jumped at the opportunity, and then as we were doing it, they. Uh, yeah, they decided to just make this small role even bigger and, and give it to me. And and then I got to play in this this really cool world with some really cool sci-fi actors in Vancouver. I think there was even a book. I think they had a Reese book. Wow. That's on Amazon. I think it's called, oh, I can't even remember. I've got a copy of it. Yeah, then they, they turned the two uh, seasons of the web series and made it into a kind of a TV movie that aired on sci-fi. And uh, yeah, it was kind of a cool little fort. Uh, Voyage into into that genre. It's it's steampunk is so fun
1: That is cool. So how did you uh, choose your fellow castmates? I don't remember specifically, but I think uh, felicia day was in that she's awesome everything sci-fi uh, Who else and how did you pick them?
0: Well? <laughs> I, I brought in people that I was fans of uh, And so I, I brought in people like peter calamus and ben cotton, you know richard harman was a standout in that too God, this, this, this is going back almost 10 years now. Yeah. So I'm struggling to remember who was all in it. But uh, I mean, Ryan Robbins shows up and I mean, anything he's in better. So it was just basically who I was a fan of and uh, whose work I, I, was, I appreciated. So, yeah, I was just I was lucky who I was able to bring in.
1: So on the subject of casting, we've got a fun question for you. If you were to assemble your own team of travelers using any fictional character from any medium, who would you bring? Let's say six people.
0: Fictional? Yes. Uh, Well, Indiana Jones, obviously, because he could be our historian. I don't know if I'm going to be able to top that answer. Um, (laughs) I feel
2: like he does it all.
0: (laughs) uh, I just finished watching. These are all just based on what's influenced me in the last week. I just finished watching all of... Ah, uh, Daniel Craig's James Bond movies—they're really good. And everyone kind of gives Quantum of Solace a, a hard time, but it's, it's that too is such a good movie. He'd be great, you know. I mean, without all the the booze and womanizing, he could be our tactician. <laughs> uh, oh, that's six. Oh, you're killing me. Um, you could do four. Who's our doctor? Okay. Um, Having a doctor. Who's your doctor? <laughs> you ever watch Cannonball Run? no oh my god you're too young
1: uh, <laughs> no okay
0: so that joke's not gonna go <laughs> <I'm>
2: so sorry <laughs> did we just ruin the joke
0: <laughs> who's our doctor alan alda from mash he'd be
1: our doctor
2: okay. nice i like that
1: how about the action guy the action i guess james bond could do it but he's sort yeah, of the spy he's a spy guy petition right
2: The would be james bond um, right yeah
0: Oh, I'm going to have to come back to you on that one. That's that's tough. I was up till like two in the morning last night, skipping <laughs> through season three. So I'm, I'm a little sleepy.
2: Well, we'll let you off the hook then. That's fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but Indiana Jones can do it all. He could be your tactician. He could be your leader. He's your historian. Yeah, I'm sure he knows how to suture a wound.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you just take one Indiana Jones from I- each movie.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a
2: whole team. I don't know how, work, how how good they'd work as a team together, though.
0: That's true. But,
2: you know. <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to ask you, um, <laughs> so in, in the email we got from your publicist, Casey, mm-hmm. she mentioned you can ask him about travelers and all these things. Ask him about flying planes and Harrison Ford. And I was like, what? <laughs> did he fly yeah. planes with Harrison So I had to ask you, what is the connection between flying planes, Harrison Ford, and you? Where do those intersect?
0: Uh, I did not fly planes with Harrison Ford. Um, mom, but mom. My, <laughs> um, <laughs> the story just goes downhill from there. It's like, why <laughs> are we asking you this? Um, my father is a pilot, and so I, I grew up around small planes. And um, a few years ago, I started the process of getting my pilot's license, but then travelers happened and I haven't been able to finish it. But then last year I was at the, the Legends of uh, Aviation Awards and uh, Harrison Ford was presenting. And Harrison Ford was my, uh, I mean, he, he was my hero of, of actors and not just in the roles he played, but uh, and how he conducted his life in the public eye, and he—he uh, he so, he's, he's so blue collar, and I grew up around those kinds of guys. So I had an opportunity to meet him, and they always say, don't meet your hero, and he's notoriously gruff, so I was really nervous, but I, I approached him, I told him that I was uh, getting my pilot's license, and that—and this is my favorite part, and this was the most important part to me, is I said that I was an actor, and he was the reason I'm an actor, and, uh, and thank you. Wow. Yeah, it was cool, and he was so gracious, he shook my hand, he uh, asked me some questions about flying, and took a photo together, and then he, you know, he's busy, right? So, I mean, I'm, I'm not making a, a meal out of this, but he, you know, the whole interaction probably lasted all of 30 seconds to a minute, and then he walked away and said, you know, keep at it, uh, both aspects of flying and the acting. I think I blacked out, and uh, <laughs> woke up and, uh, you know, cried myself to sleep, it was so wonderful. <laughs>
2: Oh, that is so cool!
0: Yeah, it was yeah. really neat. He was uh, really gracious, and and uh, that's something I'll, I'll always remember.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, he would terrify me, to be honest, because you do hear that he's like a little like scary to talk to. sometimes.
0: yeah, like I've never heard anything negative. Like he's not rude or uh, right impossible. He's just uh
1: he's a character.
0: Yeah, well, he, he's a I keep saying blue collar worker, but he's a he's a tradesman. He you know he doesn't go for all the the glitz and the glamour. He's
2: straightforward. He just says what he says, and it's not about glit. Yeah, yeah, I get that. You know I mean? Well, so let me follow with that thing because I'm assuming. I mean, you said he's the reason you became an actor. We had um, actually a fan of yours and one of our um, listeners uh, at Following Bliss One who had asked us to ask you the the book and the movies that most had the most impact on you. So I'm assuming it was a it was a Harrison Ford movie. Um, since that's what made you become an actor.
0: Yeah. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, I, I can't count how many times I, I watched that. But I, mean, I was a child of the 80s, so pop culture was was such an influence on the 80s. Um, you know, it was Spielberg and uh, Lucas and Star Trek and, and Die Hard. And uh, I, I ate it all up. Um, but Harrison Ford's movies just it was it was that stuff i wanted to do the reluctant hero the guy that you can relate to who who's not necessarily you know i always think of uh, die hard's a great example i can't relate to a guy in die hard 4 who who jumps off an overpass and and tackles a, a jet to the ground i that doesn't make any sense to me but die hard 1 the guy that is running around in bare feet and his biggest obstacle is broken glass and he doesn't want to be there and that that whole introduction of The Reluctant Hero, and I, I, I think I studied in university, too, and I can't remember where that it originated, but it was never more personified than with Harrison Ford and, and Han Solo and Indiana Jones. So, I, yeah, I, I kind of latched onto that. As far as books go, wow, that's good. I wasn't a big reader when I was a kid. I never really got into reading until after school. But uh, my favorite book, I think, is is a book called Life After God by Douglas Copeland. Um he's the guy that coined the term generation x he's a um he's actually from vancouver but it's a life after god is is a beautiful little book and you can read it in one sitting it's it's uh yeah but i don't know if it's ever influenced me (laughs) creatively but it's a beautiful book This podcast is brought to you by tvserieshub.tv, your site for entertainment news, reviews, and interviews. Now
1: back to the show. Well, it's perfect that you mentioned books, Vancouver, and the 80s, because that makes me think of Ready Player One, which is all about, you know, 80s culture, books, and sci-fi. So I wanted to ask you, you've been in so many sci-fi series. So first of all, we would love to know, you know, what draws you to sci-fi, what you love about it. And then I wanted to ask you, um, since you've been on so many different sci-fi productions, what is the difference um, in terms of acting on a sci-fi series in the U.S. versus in Canada? And why is Canada specifically so great at sci-fi?
0: Um, first off, Ready Player One. I stumbled upon it because I heard, heard uh, Steven Spielberg was making a movie about Ready Player One. I said, "Oh, what's that?" And I found the book. And uh, actually, I think listen to the audiobook. book. Will Wheaton, that's right. Will Wheaton, huh. uh, so good. Oh my God, that book is so good. It was just, it was right in my wheelhouse. And
2: Will Wheaton's a great, a great reader. Oh he's yes, phenomenal. Yeah,
0: it's a lot of fun, especially when he's referencing himself in the book. It became really <laughs> meta. Um, So sci-fi. Well, first off, I don't know if there is much of a difference between Canadian and American sci-fi shows other than budget. Uh, (laughs) But um, I'm not sure of the reason. I I get asked this a lot, and I I really mean to look into it, but sometime in the 80s, Vancouver became, whether it was a tax haven or just simply because uh, the, the... the geography was conducive to storytelling, but Vancouver became a hub for sci-fi, uh, and you had shows like Battlestar and, and X Files, maybe. And so they've they've kind of just it just happenstance. And so I, I've never really sought to be in in sci-fi, but being in Vancouver, you you if you're going to work in Vancouver, you're going to end up doing Supernatural. You're going to end up doing Smallville, Arrow, Flash, uh, Stargate, Battlestar, Travelers. I think we're lucky that way, and the reason I think we're lucky is that if we were a city full of procedurals, no one would really pay much attention to 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 Vancouver. It wouldn't Wouldn't draw this much excitement because I'm sure there are huge fans, and maybe there is a convention for NYPD Blue, but <laughs> sci-fi fans, <laughs> um, they're like no other. And I, I think the difference is maybe, and I, I'm just guessing, and I'm, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I feel like. Sci-fi, even in just one show, one specific show, has more opportunity to tell different stories and in different ways than a show about people in an office. Um, the best example of that is Doctor Who. I've never seen it because there's just so much. I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to tackle it. It's time travel. It's dimension travel. It's it's uh, it's every show put into one, and that's the beauty of sci-fi. You, you You're going to find something that you Relate to, regardless of who you are, and so you end up bringing these fans with you on on this journey. I, I don't know if if uh, I'm dating myself, NYP people <laughs> I was going to say Hill Street Blues, but you don't know these shows. Um, nope. So yeah, sci-fi is is um, it's a it's a you're lucky to be part of that that family, and that's what it feels like. Have you ever been at these conventions? I'm sure you have. Of course. Um, I've only been to two and uh it's 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 like do you ever go camping in in like high school university and you just kind of stumble from campsite to campsite drunk with your friends and you bump into some <laughs> neighbor you know some strangers and you have to sit down and you end up becoming best friends with them and in the morning, you don't know who they are, but they gave you a hot dog and a beer that night and that's what going to these conventions it's like. It's just like everyone is on the same path and having a good time. And that's what you find online. That's what my experience with sci-fi fans have been. It's, uh, it's, it's a family. Uh, and I'm, I'm lucky to, to have been able to work in shows that allow me to meet these, these people.
1: I often describe going to a convention like a child see, going to the zoo for the first time and seeing yeah. all of these animals that they've never seen before. Oh. only the difference is they're all the same animal they are fandom they are, the sci-fi people.
0: yeah, yeah, and it's all in the right spirit. it's there's just there's very little, if any negativity i I've found. so right.
1: So in the future, would you want to continue to take on sci-fi roles or have you have you seen Con Man with Alan Tudyk? No, I haven't. Ah, Con
0: oh, Man. is in like Convention Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's clever. No, uh, no, I haven't. I, I, uh, I know who Alan is, though, but I, I haven't seen it. Is it worth it?
1: Yeah, absolutely, especially for you. Uh, Con Man is a little gem of a web series. Um, It's with Alan Tudyk and Nathan Fillion. And basically the premise is... Uh, Alan plays a character identical to the one that he played on Firefly with a different name. And the premise of the show is he has been typecast and locked into playing only sci-fi roles. And he is this actor who wants desperately more than anything to get out of sci-fi. But his agent and his experience only lets him take on sci-fi roles. And it's this really funny comedy about this guy and get me out of sci-fi. Yeah. So, in that nature, I mean, you described your, you know, how, how sci fi tells these interesting stories and you could go so many places with it. Would you like to transition to, you know, those procedurals you were talking about, to movies, or is sci fi sort of a niche that you found you really liked?
0: I don't know if I have the luxury of choice right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you, again, I'm going to age myself, but I remember when Will Shatner got onto Saturday Night Live and, and, announced that you know get a life and I remember the uproar that caused but it was really funny hey I, I, I should, I'd be so lucky to to stay in sci-fi to do anything specifically other than to just challenge myself so if if the next roles in the next 10 years are are sci-fi based and yet they they kind of push me out of my comfort zone and I'm playing different characters absolutely I think the, the trap is is playing that same character it doesn't matter the genre it's uh, I, I don't want to be doing the same guy over and over again, because, um, even though, you know, and it's funny cause I remember hearing actors talk about wanting to branch out, not wanting to play that role. And I remember thinking, God, like you should be so lucky to be on a show for that long. Uh, why don't you just stick with it? But you know, you got to look at their point of view when they, um, as a, as a job, you, you, you want to freshen it up. You want to try different things and, and test your limits. So, uh, I, I'm fine with whatever genre. I just want to grow as an actor.
2: Sure, it's both a job and an art. Yeah. Right? Like finding that sort of medium in between those two.
0: Yeah, like if Michelangelo just kept painting the same thing over and over and over <laughs> again, you know, it, it would it would get boring. He'd just be some guy on a, a pier doing caricatures for tourists. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta you gotta push yourself, so yeah.
2: Well, and and you're currently in uh, You, Me, Her, which is a comedy, so that um, outside sci-fi, which is really a a fun, I think here we only get it if you are a DirecTV subscriber. Um, Apparently, yeah. Yeah. And then you're going to be on a new show, which is Jan. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
0: Yeah. So, now, where are y'all calling from? Kelsey, you're in?
2: Uh, I'm in Virginia.
0: Virginia? New York City. Yes, and you're in New York. Okay, so uh, Jan is a Canadian TV show. Uh, Jan Arden is uh, who would the equivalent in America be? I don't even know. I mean, Jan Arden is is an icon in Canada as much as Anne Murray or uh, Sarah McLachlan or Brian Adams or Drake. No, <laughs> Drake. <laughs> what? Maybe okay. not Drake. But Jan, Jan Here. is a uh, she's a musical superstar in in Canada, and of course, I've known of Jan since you know I was in junior high, high school, and uh, I had the pleasure of getting to know her uh, a number of years ago, and she's quietly one of the funniest Canadians. Uh, in the entertainment industry, there is she is so sharp and quick and self deprecating and uh, just so clever. And um, a good friend of mine, Leah Goche and uh, Jenica Harper, decided to uh, to write a show around that. And Jan Arden plays herself, uh, a struggling musician looking for relevance in, in this kind of new age. And uh, they've we've we done six episodes, and I, I get got to play her. Uh, her brother-in-law, so we flew to Calgary in September, and uh, and we just, we just had a lot of fun. It, it was it was really because Jan's never acted before. I mean, she's done an episode here. I think she's done two episodes of TV, maybe more. But now she's leading a show, and so and that that was really conducive to some. It's going to be some fun TV. So sometime in March, uh, CTV will uh, will air Jan. Um, and then eventually I think like other shows like Shits Creek or other Canadian shows, it'll end up on, on streaming hopefully.
2: Yeah. On Netflix maybe. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, some of the, my, my two favorite, uh, like comedy shows are Shits Creek and Kim's Convenience, <laughs> both yeah. Canadian, uh, comedy, which are just hysterical. So I'm looking forward to, I hope that that makes it onto, onto Netflix, um, do you watch either Kids Comedians uh, or Shish Creek? I'm
0: ashamed as a Canadian to say I ha- I haven't seen either, uh, uh, but I know that's a I shame. Have so much TV to watch. <laughs> I'm just I'm it. and every time I, I sit down to watch something, I just want to watch like the Great British Bake Off and just just know that nobody's going to die in this. Nobody's cheating on anybody. <laughs> no one's getting screwed over. It's just baking.
2: Yeah. It's no, that is a great show. That is a great show. Well, I have to, I have to tell you that. So I, I spent, um, uh, junior high and high school. We, I lived in Calgary. So, um, I have to apologize that you're from Edmonton, but, um, I am glad that we are getting some good Canadian TV. It's like some, and knowing that Jan's from Calgary, I'm like, yes, (laughs) excited for those of you who are not, uh, from Alberta. It's oh, a huge
0: kind of rivalry, rivalry, yeah, that's all. So. Um, but it's funny because <laughs> when I was living in Edmonton, I mean, it was, it was, it was like the Bloods and the Crips, but then you, you, you leave Alberta and uh, I'm okay with Calgary. Calgary is a really beautiful city. I mean, I prefer Edmonton. That's home, but uh, <laughs> arguably, yes, Calgary is a gorgeous city.
2: Well, now you've spent some time there with Jan. <laughs>
1: So you you keep mentioning, like, there's so much TV. You're not really sure where to tackle. And then, you know, Doctor Who is about time travel. Where do I start? Well, you could start from the beginning. I mean, the show is about time travel, but it is a linear show. Like, episode one comes before episode two. So
0: definitely. About five years ago, I I decided I was going to do that. And I went back to, like, the, damn, was it the 50s? And I started watching. (laughs) Like, I think I got three episodes in, and it was – I mean, it was, I appreciated it for its rough. time and everything, but, you know, we're we're accustomed to a certain pacing. And I just, the, the idea that I was going to have to watch like 20 seasons of this, I was like, I, I can't, I can't commit to this. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah, starting with the reboots. Yeah, get, and reboots I don't even know when go the go reboot, is, <laughs> reboot is. Is that the David Tennant
2: era? Uh, it's it's uh, the one before that. It. Christopher Eccleston, yeah. Okay. If you go on Netflix, it should be like the first one. I don't think they have the okay. old
0: seasons, so. I'll stick to Netflix, though.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So other than Jan and you, me, her, do you have anything else new um, up? I
0: just finished a movie called Endless, uh, directed by Scott Spear, and that was with Alexander Shipp and uh, Nick Hamilton? Nicholas Hamilton? Hold on. i Google this. I should know this. What's my name again? i googled the movie and i thought i'd just go with my name give me a second yeah nicholas hamilton alexander ship um apparently famke jansen so uh i just did the uh that movie i don't know when that's coming out but uh that was a lot of fun uh scott spear the director was was a lot of fun but it's been such a busy year that um I'm just, I'm looking forward to the next month of just the industry just kind of quieting down and, and me able to, to kind of recoup and, and read more books and, and nap.
1: Napping. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's always, that's essential for this time. <laughs> yeah.
2: It, it is the holidays. Um, so I have to ask you about, you have a YouTube channel. Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's, you have this one you have like your laptop chats and some other stuff but like this one lewis and patrick go for a drive (laughs) (laughs) the two of you lip singing in your car and i laughed so hard but it's the only one of those and so i have to ask you a what inspired this video and b why are there no more
0: well so that's louis ferrera who was uh I met in um, Stargate. and He became a really good friend. He's actually pops up in Travelers too. But uh, we were in LA. This is that was like 2014, and it was just kind of a lazy day. Now, I, I like to point out that this is 2014, so this is before carpool karaoke mm-hmm. or yeah.
1: yeah, Right. Who does? It? I think it's comedians in cars with some something like that, right?
0: No, that's Jerry Seinfeld. But the carpool karaoke is uh, James. Oh, yeah. James Corden. Corden. Right. So this is before that. I hadn't seen that. And uh, that's what you saw in that video is something that Louie and I would do. We would just start singing songs. And so one day I came over and I said, "Okay, look, I'm just going to put the camera up on the dashboard. You'll play this part. I'll play this part. Let's see what happens. And we filmed it, I think, three times. And that was it. We only did it three times. And uh, we put that up. And that's one single cut of us.
2: It's so funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the last couple of Mar- paradise by the dashboard light that was by meatloaf. And, uh, <laughs> we had talked about doing another one, but right after that, everyone started talking about carpool karaoke and, uh, and you can't go back to that. Well, we're like, Oh, we did it once. We'll do something different next time. And we keep talking about it, but Louie is such a busy actor. And the last couple of years have been a bit of a, uh, circus for me. So, uh, we'll put some. I keep forgetting I have a YouTube channel, but that's, that's what it was. I would get an idea like laptop chat, where I would just interview actors instead of me answering fan questions. I'd ask the questions fans asked me, and I asked them to a different actor. That was the the idea.
1: Yeah. I love and that.
0: I did, yeah, because I I as much as you know this is fun. I'd rather talk about other actors. I'd rather learn than than I learn nothing by talking about myself. Thanks um, and. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no, I'm just
0: kidding. Like, it's, you go to a dinner party, and uh, there's always those people that just love to talk about themselves. And then you, at the end of the night, you go, "Well, how did they grow that night? What did they learn? What are they taking away from this, other than how awesome they are?" Um, I'd rather listen to people talk. So that was the idea: is that I would take these fan questions that I was ignoring, and I would ask other actors. And I, we did, or I did, like four, maybe five episodes. I, I can't even remember. Uh, but then after a while I felt that the format was a little played out and it was asking a lot of from, you know, people who, who get bored after two minutes on YouTube aren't going to sit for, you know, 10, 15 minutes of, of me and all this (laughs) chop editing. So, uh, so yeah, I, I post that and then I forget that I have a YouTube channel. I think I had a blog at one point too. Wow. (laughs) So just try to stay creative.
1: So speaking of other actors, you must have worked with so many in your career. Um, who are some of the people you've acted with that you like to keep in touch with? Like, do you invite Amanda Tapping over for coffee? Does she take yeah. her coffee black? <laughs>
0: I was going to actually, Amanda Tapping was going to be my next um, uh, laptop chat. Oh. And then uh, I think that was two years ago. And then the schedules just kind of got, Christmas got in the way. And, but um, who do I chat with? I've been lucky to to work with some really real people. So Louis Ferrer has become a good friend. Eric McCormick's become a good friend. Yeah, I, I just uh, I'm I'm typically a, a kind of a homebody, so I don't get out a lot. But when you do meet these people on a set, typically they're very transient. You come in for a few months, you meet and everyone's best friends, and then you never see each other again. But I've been lucky that uh, when you meet people like Louis or Eric. Uh, you, you hold on to them. Um, Nesta Cooper, Mackenzie Porter, you know, these are some of my, my best friends. And so, you know, it's, it's uh, it kind of makes the job less of a job.
1: You know, M- Mackenzie is a singer, I believe. You should have her on YouTube and do uh, one of those channels with her.
0: <laughs> yeah, I couldn't afford her. She's a star. <laughs> uh, she just released two singles and you should really download them. They're a lot of fun. And uh, She's so talented that it's uh, it's 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 humbling, if not obnoxious.
1: <laughs> they go hand in hand sometimes. Yeah, yeah.
0: She's she's amazing, but she was a music star before she you know before her star rose as an actor.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask if um if you play any instruments.
0: No, I used to sing, uh, but oh, I have a ukulele around here somewhere. But uh, I, I taught myself how to play guitar and ukulele poorly. I should have taught myself how to play it well, but I decided to go the pool route. <laughs> um, I, I have no rhythm, uh, but I was a singer and I can sing. But uh, there's rarely a chance that I get to do that, except for if you go hang out with Eric McCormick, because wherever Eric is, there's a karaoke machine. Really? So, yeah, and he's and it's so tough because you'll go up and you know sing a song kind of half-assly, forgetting half the lyrics, and then Eric. Eric will go up and he'll do like a 10 minute opus from, you know, Freddie Mercury and, you know, and fully get him. I mean, he knows it's like he studies just for when people come over. So you can <laughs> That's amazing. amazing. <laughs> I love it. I have to see that. Party at That's
2: right. Now, see, there's a YouTube video. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. He's his own YouTube video exist, but, you know. What happens at Eric's days in Eric's.
2: That's fair. That's fair. I think that should be the rule with karaoke, like always.
0: I agree 100%. <laughs> well,
2: word. we appreciate you spending all of this time with us. We did want to finish off with your favorite fan interaction, whether it's weird or funny or touching.
0: Um, I'll tell you this story, and it's, it's, it's actually not not about me but it was at one of these conventions i went to uh i went to dragon con in 2011 with uh with my friend louis ferreira and uh we weren't the biggest ticket sellers so amanda tapping was on her left robin dunn was on her right david blue was was there too and they had lineups out the door and louis and i we were (laughs) we had nobody and we were fine with that because the moment that we you know the handlers realized that nobody was coming for our autograph. They let us go wander the the floor, and we got to look at all these costumes and meet, like the cast of WKRP or Martin Landau and Ernest Borgnine, and that was exciting. So one day we we're sitting there, and uh, some fans approached with a brand new baby, and uh, he was probably two months old, and his name was Everett, and they had named him after. The character that Louis Ferreira played on Stargate, Aww. and it was a really humbling, such a sweet moment. We got a photo of Louis holding little Everett, and uh, that always stands out because that's th- that goes beyond fandom. That's like um, I always think crazy. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just it's yeah, don't no, have that reaction. But then we're talking about conventions and how. I don't know if I can relate because I don't know if I'm a fan of something that much that I would spend my vacation money to go and meet the actors. And someone said, well, how lucky are the, these people that they find that much worth in TV, a TV show or a character and to name a child ever. It's a beautiful name. Um, but I think of actors who are uh, people who get tattoos of shows on, on themselves. And I mean, that's that's a lifetime. But if that benefits their life, if they find something, a touchstone that that they can really draw from that uh, symbolism, then all the more power to you. And I, I kind of had that moment when I saw this baby. that, that the, the lessons that that character taught them are now instilled in this, this child who carries this beautiful name. And I don't know, I, I kind of became a bit of a softie about it. No, that's, yeah. it
2: was, yeah, that's lovely. I often think about conventions as sort of like, as fans we can't go to football games or soccer games or whatever where you know fans of football they'll wear the jerseys and paint their face and name their kid after their favorite sports league and or sports you know star and people often take that as sort of second nature because that's typical culture you know and f- fandoms i think often get if you forget it's like sort of the same thing you're just a fan of something else you know
0: Yeah and it's funny it makes more sense that you would name them after a TV show than a sport a sporting uh, figure, because at these conventions you get to meet those actors, and there, these are stories we're telling. These aren't points we're scoring. We're 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 instilling fables and morals, and uh, you know that goes back, you know, to the beginning of man. Um, but sports. I mean, I I'm a huge sports fan, but yeah, I mean, I I find that if you had to choose between storytelling and sports. You know gun to your head I I think most people would say storytelling Um, so yeah Yeah. I think it makes more sense that you would you would be that more attached to but yeah there's that stigma right it's weird
2: well thank you so much Patrick for spending so much time chatting with us and we hope you have a, a fabulous holiday season
0: nice meeting you thanks for listening to another nerks podcast rate us leave us a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at nerks of the hub and let us know what you think